What's up, what's up, y'all? This is Dave. And this is Devin. And you're listening to the Dave and Dev Podcast. Dave and Dev. Gotta keep it real like Dave and Dev. On my job like Dave and Dev. Tell no lie like Dave and Dev. Some days I wanna stay in bed, but I get ready for the day ahead. I wanna complain, but I pray instead. Then I'm on my way to the Dave and Dev. And it go like, I don't need a crew. Don't play by he say, she say rules. Don't play, no, we can't do. I'd rather have faith while G-O-D make moves. So please stay cool. All, all I do is speak the truth on things I see they do. I'm a sinner myself. No lie, I need grace too. We lit like EKU. Yeah. Hey, good evening, Devin. What's going on, Dave? How you How you doing, bro? I'm doing good, man. It's weird to be recording it at in the evening time. We're we're definitely morning morning recorders normally, so yeah, it's a little different change of pace. But here we are. Um, I'm excited for tonight for today's episode. Yeah, me too. Absolutely, man. Well, um, you know, I always say the date. I like to just you know throw out there where we are, and maybe for the future future versions of us that come back and listen to it, it's June fifth. Um, it's been a little bit of madness out there, so we're gonna touch a little bit on that. What's what's going on out in the world? And um, super excited for our, our episode tonight. But before we get started, uh, we can hear a word from our sponsor, Ascend Wood. The Dave and Dev podcast is sponsored by Ascend Wood. Ascend Wood is sharing the gospel and God's word through their apparel and bracelets. A portion of every item helps fund their ministry partner in Hayden. For more information, you can go to their website at ascendwood.com or you can find them on social media at ascendwood. Devin, man, as I said, I'm super hyped for, for this today's show, man. Um, I want to introduce my guy, uh, my former pastor, a mentor of mine, somebody that I look up to tremendously uh, in, in many aspects as a, as a husband, as a father, um, as uh, he's a pastor, his other roles, <laughs> he's, a, he's a man of many talents. I'll let him tell him about himself, but uh, I want to introduce everybody on the podcast to my guy, Gerald Bryant. Gerald, man, tell, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Oh, man. So first of all, you know, I want to want to thank you guys for, for giving me the opportunity to come on, man, and just kind of share my story and then kind of kind of shoot the breeze a little bit, talk about some things, man, and from a different perspective and different angle, despite the, the fact that, you know, uh, I know that Dev is a, a Browns fan, man. I oh, forgive him. Man. So <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get to that part of it, man. But let me just let me just thank you guys for that. And then let me let me give you a little bit of, of my story. So uh, I'm the youngest of four, grew up in, in Florida, uh, born and raised in Florida, moved around a little bit when I was growing up and such. Uh, being the, the youngest of four, I obviously lived in the, the shadow of, of brothers that were very successful, very talented, very popular, all those other things, man. And I, I always felt like I got the lowest and the worst of the worst, whatever was left over being the youngest. Uh, but but nonetheless, man, um, as I grew up, I made a, a profession at age of 12, uh, came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, was followed that with believers baptism. 
attended all the all of the normal things, man. Went to vacation Bible schools and sang in the youth choir every once in a while, every fifth Sunday or so when they, they would do those things. But one of the things that, that I, I know was that I never fully let go of the world and the worldliness and all those things. I was still young and impressionable. I wanted to do what everybody was doing. I wanted to have fun about those things. And I thought, hey, I'm not mortal. I really thought dying was for old people and those kinds of things. And so I didn't take a lot of that serious. And I wasn't out there doing all that I could for Christ. I wasn't winning souls. And I wasn't out there, you know, with a strong testimony for it either. You couldn't tell me from anybody else that was on the street. Mm. Uh, later on, you know, I, I can say that I, I've been through all the trouble and all those other things, you know, that's for, for another time. But, you know, I really believe that once I got to college, I came out of my brother's shadows and I started to, to live for myself and do for myself. And, you know, during my college days, man, I lived it up. I, I enjoyed the things that I did. I made new friends from all over, but something still wasn't right about the way that I was living. And the way I describe it is the, the fact that I led more people off the cliff then I led people up Calvary's road. Mm. And so I knew that, that I needed to change things. I, I changed things when I came out of school. I, I changed things uh, with my wife, Beverly. And, you know, so now I'm, I'm married. I've been married for 26 years. I've got two children, um, Isaiah and Chastity. So I'm in a, in a bi they're biracial kids. I'm in an interracial relationship. I did it when it was not popular. It was not <laughs> fun. Uh, things were difficult. And I did it in in Columbia, Kentucky, where even today in 2020, the population, uh, as far as ethnicity is concerned, uh, African-American is less than three percent here. Mm. And so when I when I graduated from college, I we went off and, you know, I did a little bit of everything, worked a little bit of everywhere from psych ward to residential counseling. I worked with youth. I, I uh, got into the professional piece of it. Traveled in retail, did great things. Eventually, felt the call of the Lord in my, in my life to, to ministry. Started preparing myself for ministry. Uh, I did the whole uh, wet cloth, dry cloth thing where one day I was like, okay, well, Lord, uh, if this is what you want from me, here's what I need. Give me a sign. Show me these things. And, you know, the, you got to watch it because God will show you those things. It happened few years after that, I started preparing, started preaching back in 2006, came out, came out here eventually in 2012, ready to go. After about a half a year, got the ministry started in our house. Uh, after we started there, opened up a, a church. The Lord paved the way that uh, even with less than 10 people in our church, we were debt free within one year's time. Oh, wow. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, and, and I, I listen, I still right now today, I'm a teacher and I, I love it because that's what I want to do. It's what I'm passionate about. The Lord allowed me to, to get where I needed to be in position to get to where I wanted to be. And so he's rewarded me for for what I've done and my responses as well. So I teach, I coach, I preach, I run a basketball ministry, anything that has something to be involved with other people. I'm there. I run a daily devotional, been doing that for three and a half years. Every morning between 6 and 6.30, I start a daily devotional for folks. I do a daily prayer, been doing that for a year and a half. Uh, met, uh, met Dave a few years ago, man, and, 
you know, we, we both found out real quick that we love the Lord. We love family. We love leading. We love teams. We love building teams and we love creative uh, ways of, of leading our teams and such. But we also have a, a love for the game, man. And so we hoop and we eat and we grill. And we, <laughs> like, man, I, they, I, Dave ain't doing yeah. much hooping. Dave ain't doing much hooping. So, man, listen. Not anymore. Dave, 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 listen, Dave will come out on the court there and, man, all of a sudden, dude will pull up, man, from, from like, I, I would say that he was at least somewhere out there in San Francisco with the Warriors, man. He will pull up that deep. Okay. Uh, see, Let see, it fly. See, that's, see that, listen, listen, I've seen Dave play a couple times. And Dave, when Dave's on, Dave's on fire. But then. Oh, yeah. But on, no bad, oh, yeah. But on those bad days. <laughs> man. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, hey. you, you ain't lying. The like, last time I played with Dave, it was a bad day. It was. It was a bad day. <laughs> and then he, then he moved. Then he, I, it was so bad he moved out of town. Oh, oh, oh! Wow. Man. When you when your jumper when your jumper has to relocate. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. but listen, oh, man, man, I still be killing them in different cities. It's just it just looks different. I... So so, Gerald, you do you do a lot in the community, man. You do it all. I, you know what? I love community, uh, Dev. When I, when I think about what community is and what it means is, you know, I was one of those that I grew up in a, in a small area, small community that, you know, I still was, I'm old enough now to remember that I grew up with when all the roads in my, in my town or my neighborhood wasn't paved. And I remember one of the things that used to be said back then was wait until it's an election year and we'll see all kinds of things get done. And I didn't understand that till I got older and I started to see evidence of those things. And I said, I don't want to be one of those people that show up because the film crews show up or show up because the news, newspaper and stuff is there. I said, I want to be somebody that knows how to act neighborly, but to think globally. Mm. And that means that I, I want to be thinking about everything that's going on out there and how we can make it better. I don't want to be one of those guys that's out there that's just saying, oh, let's go to the bad part and let's feel bad and let's clean it up and let's all pitch in. Well, the truth of it is, is that it doesn't matter where we are. We can still be neighborly. When, it, when, when the Bible says love thy neighbor, it's not talking about that person right next door. Man, so you gonna start? So you just gonna start off the podcast with all that fire? I, I know, I, I mean, man. I, I, I'm speechless, Dave. I, I know. I was like, man, I, it's hot here. It's, I know. It came out with the heat, man. Listen, it's 89 in Indiana today, but this podcast is about to catch on fire. Um, well, man, I I know that you have a heart for the community. Uh, I thank you for for being on here and sharing a little bit of that. But I, I'm super excited to to ask some more questions and delve in. And I kind of just want to start with like, you know, you talk about, you know, obviously we played basketball together and we, and it was an area of us to, to lead together. Um, like, tell me more about why specifically um, hope and hoops, like how that's been able to be impactful in um, the area in which you're in again, which is, is a very small minority area. Yeah. You know, um, I'll tell you, it wasn't it wasn't the initial thought that I had around what we were going to do and what needed to be done and such. It was something that came up a little later. You know, I was at the wellness center here locally and I went in and I was playing ball and I, 
a lot of young people would be up there and they always wanted to play against anybody. And, you know, I'm a, I'm an old school guy, man. So I got old man moves, <laughs> but you know, the, the, the thing was, was that there was a, a day that I was in there and, and this, uh, this little young kid, um, he got mad, you know, I blocked his shot and he was talking trash and everything else. And he got mad. And all of a sudden I just try to calm him down. Just try to say, Hey, relax everything else. This kid cussed me out, man. Oh man. Cuss me out. Look, so <laughs> I'm like, even my I can't even go get my kids to to address somebody in their age, but my kids are adults. So that's even not not even an option. I went up front and told the the person at the desk that this kid was was cussing me out and it was totally inappropriate and such. And they didn't know what to do. Hmm. They didn't know what to do because this this kid had a membership as well. He had an older brother that had a membership that was there too. And the, the parents would drop him off everything else. And so what I realized that at the end of the day, they even went and got the manager and he didn't know what to do. He listened to both sides, but he even walked outside with this kid and talked to him going down the way. And I thought to myself, you didn't confront him right here. I'm the one that was offended. I'm the one that it happened to. And you walked him out there and down the, 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 the sidewalk to calm him down and such. And I really never knew what happened. And so I prayed about it. And I said to myself, we have got to create the right kind of atmosphere so that these kids can one day understand the impact that they have, even in the lives of older people. And I remember when, when I got this thing started, I started looking into things and I started asking questions and I started to say, well, I remember the police athletic league when I was growing up, I remember boys and girls club. There's none of those things in small communities like this because there's not enough wealth in this same community. Mm -hmm. And so when I, when I got this name, hope and hoops, I said, you know, we've got, I can't just go and open up a gym and let people play ball. I'm going to get cussed out more. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, parents, parents are like, hey, so what? You know, they think it's funny. And so I, uh, I said, I want to offer hope. You know, Peter says, and the, the Bible says, and Peter says, be ready always to give an answer of that blessed hope that is in you. And so you give somebody hope and you give them something they love, which is the hoops. And you got the best of both worlds. And so when we started, long story short, let me bring this in, into this. This same kid that cussed me out got Sunday afternoon devotions from this, from this same, same piece. Five years later, uh, we were going around in the, in the middle of it because I, I gave people a chance to give recognition and give shout outs to other people that were there in this circle as we would do a devotion before we played. And one day I said... I just want to give recognition to this kid. I said, because about five years ago, you were cussing me out in a, in a wellness center. And today your testimony is stronger. And I'm hearing you at a youth, at a, a youth day at a church. He was actually presenting the message. Mm. Come on, man. Come, Come on. on. Come on. I, I had a guy likewise over after coming to church with us before this is a guy from, from another area, but he came and I tried to present the gospel to him. I tried to give him work and, and keep him busy and such. And we got to some serious 
heart-to-heart decisions that needed to be made where the gospel was presented, and I just don't think that he got there. And it hurt me because I know that I was giving him everything that I could, and yet it just didn't happen. And I know, I know this, when he overdosed and died, I used his story at, the, at a devotional at the Hope and Hoops and 10, more than 10 guys that day made a profession. Man, shut up. Man. Wow. That's a blessing. The Lord's blessing that ministry, man. That's awesome. So, yeah. Hope and Hoops, man. I still love the, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm still playing. I still play the game, love the game. I tell them I'm gonna play at least till I'm 50. So, I've got like 11 months left. <laughs> oh, <laughs> And then you're going, then you're going to pack it in. You're going to go to the No, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do the same thing that I see Dave do. I'm just going to pull up when nobody's around. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. <laughs> hope hope my range, a little bit more accurate. Yeah, my range will be just out of your reach. <laughs> <laughs> so how do, you, how do you feel like in just in general – how we can approach, like, kind of, I know, obviously, you have your specific, you know, hope and hoops, but, like, how would you encourage other sports fans that are also believers um, to, you know, find opportunities to have that intersection of, like, sports and faith? Yeah, that's good. Um, The first thing it it starts with, I believe, is that, you know, um, and, and Dave, you, you and I, we've, we've had this conversation, we talked about some of these things, and, and I've even preached on this thing. It's the one, one, six, man. Mm. It starts with, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It has to start there. And when you realize that it's okay to live your faith out loud and you, you realize that you're never really off stage with anything that you do, anything that you say, you start to realize I got to give the people the truth. Even, even if it steps on your own toes, even if it does throw a wrinkle in your game and some people start to, to lose or start, you start to lose an audience, so to speak, people are going to look for the consistency in you. And so long before you get to the point that you can start something big, you have to be genuine about what you're doing and what you truly believe in. That's awesome, man. As, as an athlete, like it, it helps to hear other people that talk like that. And that's, that's, that's encouraging. As a former athlete. Oh, Dave, you never graduate. <laughs> Especially when you go to EKU, you're eternal colonels. Exactly. Yeah. You mean, former. You mean. Hey, hey, Dave, Dave, you also know as a parent, man, you're a human jungle gym, so you know you got to play with the kids. That's athleticism to be a parent, That's, man. It's actually true. That's actually true. Because <laughs> you toss them in the air and you miss? It's over. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Parenthood fail. <laughs> so you 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 did mention amongst the all the all the other jobs that you have, yeah. is, uh, the one you, you you are a pastor. Yes, sir. And uh, so tell us a little bit about like your church, uh, the demographic of your church. Like, what you know, mm-hmm. how long have you been pastoring for? Uh, just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we came. We moved back out. I was. I had a man. I had a. Listen, I'm going to tell you. I had a very good. Uh, professional career. I was I was in charge of all of the state of Maryland, Northern Virginia, Washington D.C. Uh, mm-hmm. In my corporate responsibility, I was a regional um, representative for community relations, and um, I was in, in charge of 
of everything philanthropy in Washington, D.C. for as a from a corporation standpoint. I worked for Target Corporation for 12 years in doing this. And I was the one that went to the White House. I was the one that spoke at the Kennedy Center. I was the one that grabbed and pulled people together to activate them in community events. That includes makeovers at libraries and schools and such, all of those things. And so seeing it all done and all now bring that forward to to who I was already as a believer, man. Listen, I was I was praying at work. I was already asking and confronting people. And I remember uh, if I can tell this story real quick, uh, I remember praying that the Lord would give me an opportunity to actually ask the um, CEO about his testimony. Mm -hmm. I had purposed it in my heart that I was going to begin to ask people of significant positions about their testimony and that I was not going to be afraid to share and I was not going to be afraid to ask. And I remember as I was going through and I was doing it, my boss told me about being a believer. I presented the gospel, talked to other people around it. People were getting saved around me, people that worked for me, people that worked lower chains, three, four, five levels down, were getting saved all around. I remember, I remember without a Bible in my hand, leading a young lady who called me on the phone as I was traveling from, from Maryland down to Virginia, she called me up and she's in tears and she had lost a family member. It was just her all of a sudden. And man, uh, she wanted to know how I stayed the way that I was. So I presented to her, I asked her if she had a Bible. She said, no, I walk you to the internet on blueletterbible.com and we pulled it up and she pulled up the scripture and in there, you could change it from every different type of Bible. And so I had her start off in the King James. When she got stuck, I moved her to a new, another translation to show her the same likeness. Plus, I gave it to her in my layman's terms so she could understand it. She broke down, man, this lady got saved online with me, on the phone with me. And so I'm like, man, the Lord has this thing going. I one day got a chance to be, I was at a, at a developmental activity and an event with, um, Magic Johnson was there and, and many other celebrities and such, and they were being honored. And I remember running into that we were having a mixer beforehand, and I, I ran into the CEO. I was talking to him, everything else. And I remember I asked him, how could I, how could I pray for him? In fact, I, I got a chance to talk to him, but I didn't get a chance to actually ask him of his testimony. And I was convicted, man. I cried and I prayed. I asked the Lord to forgive me. And I asked him to give me another shot. A week later, I got called up to Minneapolis for another developmental piece where I was supposed to be getting tested for a VP position. And I got a chance to meet this guy, talk to him again. And I want you to know, I asked him to share his testimony with me. That was the first, I, he was the first person I sought. And he was the, it was the first question I asked him. And he didn't, he didn't really want to share, but then he did. And then he also, you could tell that he was convicted for not sharing at first. And then when I, when I asked him how, how I could be praying for him, he said, well, you know, just pray as you're led and that kind of thing. You know, kind of like what we do as Christians. Yeah. He said, eventually he came back and says, you know what? You can pray for me and my wife. Here's how you can pray for us. And I was like, whoa, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I came out here. We got started uh, about six months after I got out here. We got started with in-home Bible study. 
we started out with me and my kids and we grew that. And we eventually had 20 folks in this house every week on Bible study night. And so we started looking for, for a place to start our, our, our church and to launch this thing. And I kept passing by because I first was, I was driving back and forth to Lexington to uh, every day, five days a week, two hours, one way. That ain't no day. joke. I did it for four weeks. <laughs> that I, ain't no I joke. did it. I did it for two years, man, two years. Crazy. And so what ends up happening is I keep passing by this church that's all grown up and everything else. And finally I pull up there and I, I knock on the door and it's all grown up and everything else. And this guy doesn't answer the, answer the door or anything else. I leave a message on his windshield telling him that here's who I am and such. Here's my phone number. Interested in this. If it's for sale, you know, would love to talk to you about it. The guy calls me says he'd like to sell it, explain to him who we are. Banks say it's going to take three years, three years of history to show that we're an established church. And then everybody that's on the roll, we have to have all of them run a credit check and all sign up to, to be on this same loan together. And I was like, uh-uh, I'm, I'm believing God, man. I'm, I'm trusting God. I said, I don't want to be a burden to the people. I don't want to take away from the people. I'm believing God in this thing. So here's what ends up happening. This guy enters a deal. I had bought this software when I was in Maryland. I had bought it and I opened it up. I plugged it in my computer and it had the documents for entering into a lease agreement. So we went into a lease to own agreement that we would pay him $1,000 a month for one year. And at the end of that one year, we would give him the remaining balance or or he would still own it by himself free and clear. Hmm. We open we, we get started. We go into this thing. We're having having some success and the numbers are going up and down, up and down. And, and we see that we get as high as 40 and back down to the regulars. And, and as we are even today, we're at nine people, nine people. Now, nine people don't get it done, especially when you're talking tithing in an area here where the, the average income is less than $40,000. So of those nine people, four of them are from my household. <laughs> we paid a $1,000 a month payment. Then I get called. I get this lady is looking for me from the Department of Justice. Uh-oh. And because because my my wife and I, we we have at at the age of 43 paid off our our house. Lord has been good to us. We owe nothing at 43 homeowners debt free with that. Yeah. So she doesn't know. So the last known address she has connected to me is my mother in law. My mother in law gets the number, gives it to me. I call this lady. She tells me who she is. So she tells me that there is this one company that has had some, some inappropriate dealings with, with folks and, you know, they've, they've cut corners. And so you can tell there's, there's been some things that, that they've done that are unethical. So she says, there's a class action lawsuit. We'd like to include you. I said, I said, so sure. Okay. Yeah, great. That's, that's fine. Go ahead. Skeptic the whole time. But nonetheless, as a believer, I come out of this conversation. The first thing I do is say, Lord, if this is real, if it be your will, whatever we get is yours. 
We didn't say tithes. We said whatever we get is yours. I stayed in touch with this lady over the course of the year. It settled. The beginning of the year, she t- I called her and told her, and she said, yes, you're still in it. Many people have dropped off. Many people didn't believe it. Many people didn't send their information back in. You did. At the end of the one year, the, the guy came, it came time to pay the full payment to this guy for this church. We got enough money from the Department of Justice from this class action lawsuit that we had to do nothing but sign and send back in. We got enough money to pay off the church. Wow. 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 That's a blessing. So you went from D.C. <laughs> hanging out with Magic Johnson. Yes, sir. Columbia, Kentucky. And the Lord's blessed you the whole way through. Talk about the whole the whole way. That's that you talk about faithfulness. That's that's great. The whole way, man. And so that's I mean so that that's that's just so you, so you're in Columbia, Kentucky, and yeah. Listen, there's there's a, there's only a, you said your church is in an area that's about three percent black people. Yes. Okay, so now you have this you have this church, you're in this community with three percent black people, and mm-hmm. now something like this, these last previous couple of weeks come up. You know, we have Ahmaud Arbery, John Taylor, George Floyd, and then race conversations come back up. As a mm-hmm. pastor and as a pastor, how do you how do you address those issues in your community? Yeah, you know, it used to be that that in an argument, all you had to do was present your point of view. But God is not satisfied with your point of view. Mm -hmm. And so I always uh, think about it this way now, although I may be hurt and although I may be upset. What is it that people are going to see and what do they need to see? I, one of the things that what made me successful was my approach to doing teams and always trying to do the right thing. And, and I will tell you this, the first response to any crisis is to remain calm. Most people that lose fights don't remain calm. They get excited, overly excited to where your heart racing, you, you can't breathe, all these other things. And then you realize that People that aren't supposed to be winning, they're winning. You, you guys have played sports. You've seen it. When you're overly excited about something and you can't get yourself to calm down and, and you're overly, the, the anxiousness builds up and you go out and you're, you're like, my shot's off. My palms are sweaty. I can't get anything done. I'm traveling with the ball. I'm frustrated. This guy who has little skill that's come over here with the brand new outfit on is scoring on, at will against me. <laughs> And you're like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm gonna block that shot. I'm getting ready to do this. I'm gonna... And you just can't do it. Well, the same thing happens when we start seeing other things going on. People need to see the calm in us to know that we're about to, to really and truly present cooler heads and present things that I believe that is going to help and not hurt. We, know, we have enough warriors many times, we don't have enough wisdom warriors. And so mm. I've seen people going to battle. With things where they don't know what the what a victory would be like. Like, how would you measure success? How would you measure uh, winning when it comes down to all that has been going on? So I always pray, and then I seek. What's the Bible say about these things? And so this 
uh, earlier this week, I had to go and I had to present the, uh, a case and I had to say, well, I can tell you this. Who are our neighbors? The Bible tells us that, that Jesus was confronted by a lawyer and a lawyer said to him, how do I gain eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you're a lawyer. What does the law say? And so he knew the law, meaning Old Testament law, which said, love the Lord your God with everything that you've got from the inside out and then love thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus says, well, you do that and you will live. Mm. That lawyer wasn't satisfied. So the lawyer then still tried to pick a fight with Jesus, so to speak. So he said to him, well, who exactly is my neighbor? And Jesus then gave the, the parable that we're all familiar with about the Good Samaritan. But until this week when I shared those same things as a pastor to people that is not my, my true congregation, but is more of my responsibility online, I didn't realize that the first responder was a priest. Hmm. The Bible says the first responder was a priest and that priest looked on it and saw this man who whose whose clothes had been torn off from him and was had been beaten and he said left for half dead left half dead. The Bible says he passed on the other side. And I said to to the congregation, uh, our neighbor is laying there. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about your neighbor that's laying there? What are you going to do about your neighbor that might be the one that's inflicting the harm, the punishment and the death on somebody else? What are you going to do about your neighbor? It's time for us to stop trying to cross to another neighborhood and act like it didn't happen. Stop crossing over to the other side where you think it's safer and stop trying to get out of the bad part of a, of a situation, trying to get to easy walking life. So my, me my message is I try to take what God has already given us in examples and literally change it over and relate it to something we've got now so the people can see that they've got a position and a place that they've got to re respond to. And it's not okay to lose your Christianity or your faith in your testimony out there trying to get, get vengeance or trying to, to say that it's somebody else's fault. Nobody else is going to bait you into losing it. Mm. You're on stage, man. Hey, Bill. Bro. You didn't took us to church like three times today, man. It's Friday. Man, man. I, listen, li I, you know what, man? I wish, them, listen, I wish, man, that uh, I could talk to you about other things. But sometimes when, when we start talking about this stuff, I got to talk about what my priority is. This is my number one, man. This is my go-to. Yeah. Mm. And, it, and it shows. And this is what I love about, like, talking to you and getting to know you, man. It's like through your speech, this, this isn't, it's not fake. This is the real deal. Nah, like this, it, it, it just spews out of your speech naturally. It's not something that you have to force out. It just comes out in conversation and it just seems so real. And so like when, when people are talking to you and like, I mean, Dave, Dave knows you. Dave has a close relationship with you. But when I talk to you, like yeah, from the first time getting to know you, like I get to see like that Jesus that you're talking about. Like yes, sir. Whereas me, like man, I want, I want to know that. I want that in my life. And, and yeah, and like, yeah. And, and, and so that's what's and like, and I, and I understand like 
it, you have a passion for the Lord and it comes out through your speech and it's just it's just really encouraging, man. Hey, I mean, Deb, look, man, you you hoop, right? Yeah. So that took you all over the country, right? Yeah. All over the world. Man, well, well, think about this. You ever seen the eyes of a little kid who thinks that you are the best player in the world? Yeah, but they were wrong. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know what? And that, and that might be the truth. But the thing is, is that you didn't go out there and say, I don't, I want them to know that I'm the 1200th best power forward in the country. You never said that, man. I'm treating this like G, like God sent me to deliver this gospel and chose me to handle his word. Are you serious? Dude, I, I don't care. I, look, I'm the, I'm the Jordan of this thing right now. Mm. I want to, I want this thing to be legendary. I want people to say, I want, I want his Bible, man. I want what he's reading it from. I know, and I want to be able to show it to him. The Bible is written and given by inspiration of God. Why would I lay an egg when I'm giving somebody the gospel? Mm-hmm. Hey, Jared, I'm, st- I'm standing up. Man, you got me all his sweet, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, it's, and I'll tell you, like, I think Devin just, you know, kind of touched on it, but like, I think we've all kind of had like a bit of, you know, a tumultuous couple of weeks, you know, and it's just yes. been hard kind of navigating this Sure. and to just hear you standing on the word and like, like, just like, man, it's so encouraging. And especially because I know how faithful you've been. And if like, like you have been faithful for so long to like the Lord's calling, like, how can we not be? Yeah. Like, how can we not step into the, the spaces and be like, look, like, my goal is to is to show you and, and relate to you what God has shown me through his word. And maybe what he's shown you through the word has been different. Let's like, let's be here in the space together. Right. Right. Like, that's been so encouraging, man. Yeah. You know, it's um, I, I look at it and, and here's the thing. No matter what people say about you, whether it's right or wrong. You Google yourself and you'll find the truth about who you are. <laughs> Especially when you ain't there, right? <laughs> exactly. So while you're walking around your house all puffed up, you know, because you got that promotion, you're doing your thing, whatever that might be, you got the new shoes, you got whatever, or maybe even you're on TV for 60 seconds. Your children are only going to know how you treat them. Your family's only going to know how you live before them. And sometimes you're going to make mistakes, man. It's okay to be human around them. But, man, just please know that you can go into a Gethsemane and say, Lord, take this bitter cup away from me. That's the reality in the human side, the flesh side that says, I can't bear this cup. And then you realize that everybody behind you is sleeping on you. Mm. Everybody behind you that's supposed to have your back, everybody else that's supposed to go to distance with you, your inner circle, they're sleeping on you. And then you say to yourself, I got to take this cup. I got to take this bitter cup so that I can make them better, so that I can go before them, so that they can see that there's something better. Man, I remember the times that I was walking home scared for my life when I was a kid 
because I walked all the way from an event or an activity that was miles from my house because I was trying to go to a game on a Friday night and we didn't have a ride back home. And so me and my friends would walk home and I can remember the, the trucks and the people being on back of them calling us names and, and acting like they were going to stop and, and some of them having shotguns, man, in the back of their windows and such. I can remember those things. And I can remember to myself saying, you know what, man, I really don't want to hurt anybody. Like, that's really not what I want to do. But I'm mad enough to tell somebody that this isn't right. It's not right. But I also can tell you that I wasn't the best guy when I was young. So who am I to, to not always be a great guy and expect somebody else to be great? And then the question I have for, for any of them, and, and listen, I, I know black lives matter. I do. Huh? I'm, I'm going to pull it into this part of it, into this parking space for a minute. If y'all, if you, if that's okay with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, go there? ahead, man. Go ahead. All right. Absolutely. All right, man. Let's pull, let's pull this thing into this parking space. Black lives matter, right? Yeah. Sure. Okay. I get it. When are they going to get to Columbia, Kentucky? Mm. And I, 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 and it's more than this shirt that I want to put on. You tell me when, when they're going to tell me that all souls matter, black souls matter. Why, when are they going to tell me that, that, that I've got to go further? You know, the title of, of my life is I take the upgrade. I take the upgrade, man. Because I remember when I was in special ed. I remember th that I wasn't fully in there, but I was in part of it. That I spent part of a day in a portable in eighth grade, and they never told me that I was actually in there. They never sent anything home telling my mom that I was in there. But I knew there was two teachers. We all had little segmented areas that was portioned off. And I remember the headphones and the cassette recorders and such. I remember those things. But I took the upgrade. Why did I take the upgrade? Because somebody told me that they would never, ever give you a chance. No one will ever give you a chance. There's just another case of a man trying to keep you down. You're keeping me down by not encouraging me. You're telling me that I can only live here and I can only do these things because that's what's going to be allowed. Let me tell you what's allowed. It's allowed for me to go and try my hardest. And a month ago, just this a month ago, when I got my when I got my master's degree in the mail, let me just tell you something. All of that stuff went away. Mm. That special ed teacher, the one that was that had that responsibility that never told me I was in it, that I was I wasn't wasn't learning at the right pace, that I wasn't testing at the right level. Let me just tell you something. She didn't break it down into my area, into my level that I could understand more. She didn't inspire me to want to read and achieve things. You want to tell me black lives matter? I want to tell you that my soul matters more. I live for the Lord. And I'm telling you this. If you die. Because somebody doesn't tell you that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and that there's no way to heaven without him. If nobody tells you that, I got to tell you that who cares if your life mattered, but your soul is going to be required. Hey, hold up, hold up, Jerry. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Say that one more time. So one more time. So one more time. I need to hear that one more time. I said, who tells you, who cares if they tell you that your life matters, but doesn't tell you that your soul is required. Mm. Hey, Bruh. Hey, Dave, how come you didn't tell me he was going to break it down like this today, man? 
Bro, <laughs> how come we waited hey. so long to do a series where we started interviewing My people? My goodness. My. My goodness. Whew. Hey, bro, I need some water. Man, I'm, <laughs> I'm over here fanning myself up. Hey. <laughs> For real, that man. Is, I mean, you, you bring up really good points. And, and and it sounds like you have you have a you have a testimony that you can tell, and and I mean you are you are convicted sure. by the gospel, and and so like when you look at issues of of justice and you look at issues of reconciliation, like you're you're going, it, it sounds like and correct me if I'm wrong, but you but those are rooted in the gospel. They mm. they are man they are they have to be man. Do you know what what an injustice we do? to misquote the Bible and not tell people exactly where it's at. Mm. Mm. I mean, to tell them that, oh, it says this in the Bible. Well, where, rascal? <laughs> Show me exactly. Like, tell me where. I, I mean, there's so many people that lied to me when I was growing up. I mean, my listen, even my mother said, uh, the Bible says that uh, the truth will truth set you free. I was like, you know how many times I told the truth and got a whooping? I wasn't free. <laughs> you, you know. Mama, mama, that's all out of context, mama. No, no, that's out of context. The the truth of it is, is that Christ says in John 8, 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But knowing the truth is that he is the truth. So guess what? Telling what? the truth, telling the truth is not what sets you free. Cause I told the truth and got whoopings. <laughs> so, but the, 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 likewise, the part that we're talking about now, I, I, I reference this because I know that people always talk about not judging others. Right. Well, I can tell you two places where it tells us that we have to judge one. Uh, I believe that Paul is telling us in, in the book of first Corinthians, uh, in first Corinthians chapter 11, I use this, this text all the time when I, I get ready to do, um, uh, the Lord's Supper. And it, he, he says, um, how about this? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31, the Bible says, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So first of all, the Bible tells me that I need to judge me. Mm -hmm. I need to make sure that I am walking and in line with him. And I need to make sure that when I start mm. to take communion, that I am walking and taking it with him and that I am examining myself. In fact, Paul said in verse 28, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. And this, so you have to do it yourself. Your pastor doesn't tell you that you're worthy or not worthy of taking the Lord's supper and that you need to be in communion with the Lord. Neither does somebody else tell you when you should or should. You have to judge yourself and know whether or not you are restored and walking with him in this part of it. Second reference on this part of it over in John chapter, chapter seven. Well, I looked at this the other day. I love this one over in John chapter seven. Uh, I believe it's, uh, ooh, let me get there real quick. How about this? Verse 24. This is Jesus talking. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So to everybody that out, is out there trying to find out and figure out who's right and wrong in every situation. Our job is don't judge to the appearance of what we see. 
Don't judge how you think it might have turned out and how you think it might be wrong. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. He was when Jesus was giving this out to the same man and the same ones that were talking about whether or not it's right for for someone to to do things in a certain way to keep the law and to, to speak certain ways. And and how do we deal with people that seem to be breaking God's God's uh, ordinances? How do we deal with people when we think that they're breaking God's law, his moral and sovereign will? Do we jump into judgment? It's not your job. Judge righteous judgment? Well, listen, I'm not going to let you come and wash my car or I'm not going to let you cut my grass on that day. But I do understand while that might be your livelihood and you're doing that, I'm not judging you. I just can't add to what you're doing because of my conviction. And then there's there's one other piece that I always try to reiterate to, to people when they fall into a situation where where people could could probably be in a, a pretty bad spot over in the book of Galatians chapter six. In Galatians chapter six and verse one, this is one of my go to's. I, I love pulling out this this Galatians piece because we're all on the hook for this. In Galatians 6, 1, the Bible says, brethren, which means he's talking to those that are already saved, those that have the Jesus already in them. Mm -hmm. He says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, in a fault, something wrong, ye which are spiritual. Who? You spiritual people. God people. You Christians. Those of you that are the body of Christ, you know what we're supposed to do? It says restore my job is not to go and kill him De destroy it says restore restore such it says mm. restore such a man or such a one in the spirit of meekness considering thyself lest thou also be tempted you could be also on the flip side of this thing because mm. that might be your daughter your son that's down there or that's in a police officer's uniform and they might be where they might be in Louisville, Kentucky, where the crime rate or the murder rate is the highest. They might be outside of Chicago, where the black on blind, black on black murder rate is the highest. They might be in a Washington, D.C. They might be in Harlem and Brooklyn, all these other places. They might be in the shadows. The question is, is how are you going to restore them? What happens if your child mm. is, is in a uniform and they're trying to secure a scene or secure other people? And they don't want their person to get away because, hey, guess what? Like it or not, people still run in handcuffs. Now, I'm not saying that's what was happening with George Floyd. But what I am saying is, am I judging righteous judgment? And I'm ready to restore. Why? Because that man in the uniform, the uniform didn't do it. The man in the uniform did that. The man in the uniform might need to be restored. Mm. He might need to, to seek repentance. He might need salvation. How is he going to get that if all we've done is judge our own judgment without seeing the man or the soul inside of the man, inside of the uniform? And you, you know, like, you know how much maturity you have to have to get to that point? Yes, sir, I do. At, mm. because, because, like, I, I'll just be real with you. Like, I didn't watch the video. And mm -hmm. I refuse to watch the video. Sure. Okay. But, but knowing, like seeing that, I'm like, 
my first reaction, my first initial reaction is, man, death scene. This man, he needs to throw away the key. Like, whatever happens, like, I don't want anything to do with this man. Mm-hmm. But, like, he, you, t- like, he, and, and that's, and that's, that's simple. Yeah. But hearing you talk and you saying, man, this is a soul. This is, yes, this, sir. This, this goes to this heart problem. This man, we, he needs to be restored. You know what kind of, like, only someone who is convicted by the Holy Spirit can get to a point that you're at right now. Yes, that you sir. grew up in the South, and you've and you've had and you've had other people saying things to you when you were when you were a child, and you yes. I mean, you could have you have all the reasons in the world to be bitter. You said you were in an interracial interracial marriage before it was even popular. Yes, sir. You have all the reasons in the world to be bitter. But you still come to this to this point where you are like gentle and loving, and you still have compassion over this man's soul. That's an act of God, man. Like for real, for real. Like I, I mean, this is just me just being completely real with you. Like I praise God for people like you. I appreciate. I praise the Lord. I appreciate it. Because I'm not that, perfect. That, I mean, it takes a lot. It takes I, a lot to get to that point. There, Especially there, when you see, like, you see, you know, you see. You you watch TV now and you see people people are angry. People are very angry, and I was one of them. Yeah. Okay. And and they, I mean, the first response is, man, let's tear some stuff up. I mean, because they, they they don't feel like they're being, you know, what Martin Luther King said, that the riots are the voices of the unheard. These people don't feel like they're being heard, and they want justice. And, uh-huh. and then for you to come back and you root that all back into the gospel, and you and then even that. To be enemies with that person, and 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 I mean, and, and for that person, and for that person to, yes, sir. So that's great. Hey, hey, Deb, you know what? What's I, I got two things, man, for for you guys because I, I look at it and and to me it's a natural piece now, right? Like it's so deeply embedded. Like even when I want to be mad, I can't be mad because the Lord gets me. I mean, the Holy Spirit's like, listen, I'm living on the inside of you, man, and I don't have room for garbage, so you can't put that mess in here. So I can't store that in my heart <laughs> because I'm under conviction, and the Holy Spirit's like, either either the old you's going to live here, or I'm going to live here. Like, which one? It can't be both. So so mm. I look at this, and, and as you, you talk about being angry, and I remember being that same way, the Bible tells us again in Ephesians 4.26, be yeah. angry, and sin not. That's so hard. <laughs> and that's hard, man. Like, like, why would somebody tell us that, right? But it's, it's possible because I'm sure that, that Jesus was upset when he turned over all that stuff. But the, the second point that I, I want to make to you guys, you talked about not being able to watch the video. I think, I think that some people have to, to know that you shouldn't watch everything. You shouldn't look at it all just because it's there. Because the Take away the, the reality TV portion of it. And if I had, if you had to read it in the paper like we did 25, 30 years ago, there was no, there was no cell yeah. phone recording that. There's no news crew that would have made it there in time for eight minutes and, and some odd seconds. They wouldn't have made it there in time to record that. They would have said that this man passed away. They would have had an autopsy. They wouldn't have said due to the pressure of somebody having their knee in his back or the back of his neck that, that he was suffocated from that. No, they would have found some other heart condition 
some high blood pressure, whatever, and instead he died of natural causes. So why why do we think this is new? Yeah. Now, I will tell you mm-hmm. that, that Christ, Christ didn't look on the sin either, man. So we don't always have to look at the video. Christ, when, the, when they brought this, the Bible says when they, when they found this, this woman who uh, was caught in adultery, they said they caught her in the very act, which means they snatched her up naked and brought her right to Jesus. They brought her before a man. They brought a naked woman before a man and said, what is it that should be done? You got to see his position is relevant. He knelt down. Mm. (laughs) He knelt down to start writing in the sand, which means he wasn't even looking on her sin. He wasn't looking at her. He wasn't looking at her nudity either. He was looking at the fact that her soul stood before him in need. And when he was done, he said, where are your accusers? And she says, they're gone. None of them are here. Well, he says, well, guess what? I got nothing to hold you either. Go on and sin no more. Just go on with that. Sometimes we, are, we have people that want to be eyewitnesses of what has already been witnessed. Do you think that Christ really didn't know what she had already done? That he would have to look at her sin again? Mm-hmm. Get out of here. We don't need other people bringing this to attention of God. You want to go in and do those things? Did you bring it to him mm. and by way of prayer? People are out there attacking before they pray. People are out there judging before they pray. Well, who's going to pray? When the, mm. when the leaders of Black Lives Matter show up and pray first, mm. I'll follow them. Mm. Other than other, other than mm. that, my life is all always mattered. My soul matters. My God matters, and I am after souls. I, I I understand the lives piece of it, but I can't save all those lives. But I can tell you how to make your destination mm. for heaven. Hey, I just appreciate you, man. I I just want to say that <laughs> this is like this is like after the week that I've seen and I've heard and I've talked to people. This is exactly like. This is the kind of conversation I need. So I appreciate you, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate being able to to share with you guys, man, because, you know, it's it's interesting. I'm looking at it and, you know, I've got I've got two um, biracial kids. Right. And they're, they're both adults. My daughter just turned 21 this week and my son will be turning 24 at the end of this month. And it's interesting because if not for social media, I probably wouldn't know how much this really affects them in their position. So watching them as young adults affected by this. And I never told my kids anything about race because I didn't want them to, to have to say that one was inferior or superior than the other. I told my, my son, I hope that he can find a, a wife that's at his mom's standard or higher. And I can only hope that my daughter finds a husband or a man to marry that's going to be better than me. Because if we can't set the bar and the standard, then why can we expect or why should we expect somebody else to set it for us? I have not been been waiting for Black Lives Matter to tell me that my black life mattered. Mm. (laughs) I'm about to fuck this whole podcast. Oh, my God. 
I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been waiting on somebody else to tell me that that I'm I matter, or how about this? I'm relevant. Well, I'm not retro. I like you're not pulling me all of a sudden and be like, hey man, remember when it was uh, wearing black was was the way we did it when we really wanted to emphasize something? Yeah, I remember that. I also remember that when we did something wrong, it gave us a black eye. So at, at some point, you've got to understand that we are all human beings. And at some point, and I've seen this time and time again, I can take you back to the days of, of corporations like Enron. That was a, yeah. a okay, so, so Enron was a company that wasn't a company. It was a shell company that sold high energy and oils and all these other things. And I'm talking was traded at the highest levels only to be found out that it was smoke and mirrors. A lot of people went to jail. A lot of people went to prison for all these different things. Why am I telling you this? As fast as we build things that we think are meaningful and try to bring attention so that other people can see exactly where their wrongs are. And as much as we come and bring in, sometimes we even wash people's face in it to make them feel bad about all the things from history. As much as that happens, what tells me is that everybody, history tells me that everybody that is leading something, some big cause at some point could be on the other end of it. And people can't wait to get you on video. People can't wait to get you uh, recorded and get your information and get you caught in the act. Let me give you another example. Marion Barry, the mayor of Washington, D.C. This guy was, they call him mayor for life out there. I got a chance to meet this guy, work alongside him in D.C. at several events. But this guy, when he was found in a hotel using drugs and stuff like that, smoking crack and such, you would have thought, man, that this, this was the world was coming to an end for, for us because he, he was in the highest level position for, for a black person uh, in, in politics at the time. And so the first thing I saw when he did this was he was on Saturday Night Live. I mean, when somebody takes your life and throws you on Saturday Night Live and makes it a mockery, I mean, that's a big deal. I hope that none of the people that are out there trying to bring awareness and trying to create equality and all of those things, I hope that none of them start to think that they're ever going to be off stage. They've turned a light on that's never going to be turned off. They've turned the attention of America and others on that it'll never be turned off. You've got people in other countries right now talking about Black, black Lives Matter. That's a big deal. Don't, don't mm. screw it up. It's, yeah. like, it's like becoming that father for the first time and realizing you have an innocent child in front of you, knowing that you have a past that could catch up with you at any moment. Somebody's like, man, you got a bless, a, a beautiful, blessed family and all these other things, man. Don't screw it up. You got the attention of the world now. Don't screw it up. You know what I want to say? When are you going to invite the pastors? When are you going to give the gospel? When are you going to give a benediction at the end of these meetings and such, man? When are you going to give the intro that starts with, giving praise and to, to my, my father, uh, heavenly father and giving praise to Jesus Christ, the Lord of my life. When are you going to start off one of those, man? Mm. Wait yeah. on that. Anyway. Listen, man, I, I, I can't tell you guys how encouraged I am. Um, 
I'm so grateful, Gerald, that you you came on the podcast. I'm grateful that beyond that, you are my friend, a brother in Christ, somebody that I extremely, extremely look up to. And I'm so glad that people that don't know you are going to get to hear your voice and hear the words that you had to say and uh, hopefully be encouraged by it and, and think through and process through because a lot of people are hurting sure. right now. Sure. And we need we need voices that are we need voices that are rooted in the gospel, as Devon just said a few minutes back. Like we got to have voices mm-hmm. like that. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I'll just be frank. If you are following me on any social media, you see me hurt. You see me lash out yeah. emotion. And uh, I, I have an opportunity. And I think we all can take a step back and say, like, as believers, mm-hmm. especially like, like God, like, like, like kill my pride yeah. and like let you shine through me and however yeah, I like it. I like right? it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, uh, so I appreciate it's, been, it's been great to get to, to, to hear your heart. And I mean, and anytime the gospel shared, it's, it's a, it's a great episode. So I really appreciate mm. that. So, I mean, once again, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. You're welcome on anytime too. Yeah. Always, man. I appreciate what you guys are doing, seeing the evolution of your podcast into to all the things that you're incorporating now and expanding that title, man, means a means a whole lot. I've I've been following links and following, you know, different uh comments and stuff that have been said and, and I gotta tell you, you know, you guys are touching enough things to get people thinking. And I believe that the one of the best things that comes around with talking about awareness comes around with getting people thinking and getting us sometimes out of our comfort zone so that we can then reestablish ourselves with a better foundation. I mean, I, mm. I, I feel comfortable in Columbia, Kentucky now because I don't have to go around thinking to myself that I wonder if people mm. can see that I'm black. Mm. I don't, I'm not worried about that part of it, man. Listen, I have, a, I have a parent that called me or sent me a message. And, and no lie, she says this to me. She says, I want to get involved, but I don't know how to ask the right questions. I think that if I refer to somebody as black, they're going to be mad that I didn't call them African-American. And if I call them African-American, they're going to be mad that I didn't say black. What do I do when I, I confront a large group versus a small group? And how do I get involved? I feel like things are wrong and I feel like, you know, I want to do something. Tell me how to get involved. I don't know anything about Black Lives Matter. It doesn't seem like it really tells me how to get involved. And I was like this. I was like, wow. She felt that way coming to me. This is a parent now. This is a parent mm. of a middle school kid. And she sent that to me. And we had correspondence in an inbox back and forth, man. And I'm like, only yeah. God can give hey, me can you real appointments quick, can you like real that. Quick share the advice that you gave to her? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I told her a couple of things. I said, first of all, I said, you know, always try to get to know people and be genuine about it. When you come around, come across, come around using the both terms or both uh, identifications, it seems mm-hmm. like you're not comfortable with that. And then if you if you go too heavy in the conversation, uh, trying to show that maybe one one person was more right or wrong than the mm. other, doesn't doesn't work the the same way. When you don't know and you ask somebody oh. what you don't know, that shows me that you care. <laughs> mm. Hey, hey, man. <laughs> hey, yeah, come back on the show, man. Come back. We need you. Come on, come on back. 
did you come back? Because everything, I mean, dang, man. I need to, we need to go. I need to go down to Columbia one Sunday. Bro, for real. Yeah. Man, so I think that's a great point to end on. <laughs> hey, you, I think that's a great point to end on, man. Thank you so much for sharing that, Gerald. I'm glad that came up. That was something that, you know, I was it, it, I was hoping would come up naturally, and it did. It worked, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for, for your voice in that, and I think you're, you're spot on. Like, we got to come at, at things genuinely and seek to love them and um, in any aspect, on any side of this coin, right? Whether we're talking to somebody that's, that's you know, again, Absolutely. throwing up the one side, um, I think it's just really important. And I, I appreciate you. I appreciate uh, this conversation. And uh, I look forward to, to hearing it over and over again um, as it's been so encouraging me, to me now. So uh, thank you, and, and you're welcome on any time, brother. Hey, man, I appreciate it, guys. Hey, much, much success through through this same podcast and what you guys are doing, man. Continue to do it. You believe in it, be convicted of it, man, and keep pushing the same thing. Be blessed. Keep praying, man. Stay true to to what you believe and what you what you believe who you believe in. And then, man, share it with other people mm. because it's not just their life, but it's their soul. The Bible tells us that he he came to seek and to save that which was lost. The relationship was lost and souls were lost. It's not just the souls. People talk about lost people. Man, the relationship with him is lost. Hey. I got to hey. let y'all go, man. I got to let y'all go. Listen. <laughs> hey, man, I love this dude, Dave. Let's get him back. ASAP. ASAP. Anytime, man. Anytime. You guys name it, man. Hey, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me, man. I'm humbled by the opportunity to, to share, you know, my thoughts, my wisdom, all those other parts of it, the love that I have and such, man. You guys stay up. Be encouraged as well. Uh, we got much more time. Uh, to still do mm. many more things. So let's let's Amen. stay busy well, for hey, the listen. Until next time. Peace. Peace. See you guys. Be good, man.